Hey guys, what's up? This is uh, The Debrief with David and Ryan. We're talking about the podcast that was with Dan Moorhead, all about bonds, all about the Fed, some macro stuff in there. Uh, definitely, we got to the case, the, the case for crypto. And uh, I don't know, I just, I love podcasts like these that meld both worlds because mm-hmm. I know like a little bit, like enough to be dangerous about macro, but not the level that Dan does. And so blending that with the crypto world was super helpful for, for me anyway. What were some of your uh, your thoughts coming out of this episode, David? Yeah, the, the big theme is that, you know, this is the moment where crypto is now macro. Crypto yeah. is macro. If it, if it wasn't in 2021, which it kind of already started to be, it definitely is in 2022. Uh, and it is for many, many reasons, in addition to what Dan was talking about, like uh, capital flight out of the ruble in Russia and also Ukraine and then also El Salvador. So those are all macro stories. But now with what's going on with the bond market and how crypto is offering an escape hatch, an escape valve, crypto is just becoming more and more macro. And so all of the macro people that were also uh, took the crypto pill early, like before 2021, this is their moment. This is the, the moment where they shine. And that's why Dan Moorhead is just like probably, I mean, he's probably not excited about the coming difficulties of investor of investing in just investing as a as a as an activity because it's going to be difficult and that's what he was illustrating but he was made for this and a lot of people who are macro focused people that also saw crypto as a macro technology before it got elevated to the point of where it is now are probably over the moon right now you know what i was thinking the whole time is like oh my god who is buying bonds right now like who would want that terrible toxic asset anywhere near them right and yeah, like i'm trying going to figure on out with that because the well, market cap of of, tri- of bonds is insane it's in the trillions some people yeah, are holding yeah. trillion dollars worth of bonds uh, ten, tens of trillions and when we asked right. dan about that he was like oh you have central banks central banks so central banks buying them from other central banks but it's not just central banks it's also like right. pension funds and institutions mm-hmm. and like there are some still private holders of bonds living in this world where as dan said like the common advice was uh oh yeah you you want a healthy mix of stocks and bonds in your portfolio to balance out the risk right. i'm like no you don't you right. do not do you want bonds it- in your portfolio what are you doing not 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 uh sovereign nation state bonds anyway do you think that the reason why there's still so many bondholders out there is that it's just like it's a sh- it can't turn that ship Did that you fast say bondholders or bag holders Bag holders, sure, one right? the same. There's exactly, not that, the word is not that different, Ryan. Um, I, <laughs> like no. people are just like we can't turn the ship that fast. Just like I don't know, so we've got a bunch of bureaucracy. What else we buy behind all of these large yeah. institutions? And it's like, I think this is I th- just what we do. We buy bonds. I think I think it's kind of like yeah. What else do we do? What else do we buy? And so the 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 cool thing about I, I guess the cool story of crypto is the people who are most turned on to this new investment paradigm are actually going to be like smart retail. Not not like retail that's just plowing whatever and with their financial advisor and, and index fund, but smart retail who gets educated and sees this first. Then it'll be like crypto funds like Dan's and such, and it'll it'll leak into like the the endowments and institutions. They're kind of going to be the last to get the memo and actually mm-hmm. figure this out. Like they're still living in this old paradigm because they haven't taken the freaking time to go actually understand. Uh, what crypto is as an asset class, but but you can almost see it happening in that part where he's talking about like, yeah, I think central banks will buy uh, crypto in the next like five years. Is even the central banks will start running for the exit. And do you know why? It's because they know more than everyone that like they're the ones that are buying bonds from each other. They they know that this whole fiat thing is a Ponzi scheme. What happens when the first G seven? Uh, they are the ones 
Yes, they know that. Whether, whether no, yeah. they admit it to what, the public. What were you about to say? You were saying they're the ones that are making it the Ponzi scheme. I think that they are blind. I don't think that they know that they're creating a Ponzi some scheme. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. I mean, like, it, the question is, what do they do personally? Remember Dan's right. Dan's Dan's uh, comment of like, uh-huh. yeah, I would right. go to these endowments. And I was like, yeah, you should buy some Bitcoin at least a little bit. And everyone's like, hell no, we're not buying. But then on the way to the elevator, they're like, oh, yeah. So how do I'm, I get in I'm on this individually? Bitcoin, right. That's exactly what's going to happen. And it'll only take like the first G20, G7 country to defect out of the system. Mm-hmm. So like China's sitting there or Japan, any, any countries like with uh, trillions of dollars of US bonds on their balance sheet. And they're gonna be like, uh, why am I doing this again? Oh, we should go get more gold. Like Russia's saying, mm-hmm. R- Russia's saying that already. And not just, not just from uh, issuance and inflation concerns, but also because my God, like the, the SWIFT banking system is basically completely U.S. controlled. And so one of these countries will be like, oh, we need some redundancy. And rather than buying gold in their next gold purchase, their, their next like, you know, non-sovereign asset purchase, uh, they'll sprinkle in a bit of crypto. So it'd be like mm-hmm. some gold, but then also some crypto as well. And once that happens, then central banks will just start running for the exits because then it's a game of the same game we've we've seen play out the last 10 years in kind of the retail side. Then it's just a game of who can get to the exit door quick enough, right? right. It's like if, if you were the first central bank to see this and start moving on it and bolster your treasury reserves with a, an actual mm-hmm. hard digital asset, you get the advantage. So right. everyone wants to be first and they start running for the exit on bonds and running for the entrance door on crypto. Like you could just see that play out, man. I mean, yeah, the game theory is all there. As soon as one Federal Reserve like publicly announces that they have put Bitcoin on the balance sheet, this all of a sudden like the spell is broken, the game is up, and now it's a it's a game of chicken between all the other central banks. And by the way, it yeah. won't just be crypto. It won't be Bitcoin at that point. It'll be some. It'll be Bitcoin, ETH, sure. and some other things. I bet. Yeah, probably. Um, but also at the same time, I'm also compelled by perhaps like the the what's going to prevent that from happening is is like something like the allegory of the cave model where um, the allegory of the cave speed run through that like there's people uh, with a campfire inside of a cave that's the only light people are doing their hand motions on in front of the in front of the campfire it's putting that's light on the wall and people are looking at the light on the wall be like this is what the truth is not realizing that there's a whole grand world out there so like these central banks are stuck in this fiat model the central bankers aren't even though they might be buying bitcoin on their personal individual like maybe jay powell is buying bitcoin perhaps <laughs> but like he won't ever go to the federal like reserve and be like yo we got to buy bitcoin because you're not allowed to step out of the cave if you are a federal reserve board member right if you are operating a federal reserve in the fiat system you not you're not allowed to admit that admit that there is something else out there that you can turn to because you're in the fiat system you're in the fiat cage you can't you can't break the spell and so like that spell could like restrict central bank from thinking outside the box for i think longer than than just what the game theory would would indicate yeah maybe but then it all it takes is like you, you know the paul paul volcker of the, like the the central banker that came in in the 1980s to like break the back of inflation right mm-hmm. and he did all of these mm-hmm. things and he was uh, like a complete contrarian like a lot of ways it just takes a society to be like oh um jay powell should be fired and the existing mm-hmm. central bank monetary we have almost double digit inflation right now. It's clearly not working out. And so we got to take some drastic measures and you hire this contrarian individual who's like, ah, here's one of the things we should do. And then boom, they do it. 
right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's desperate because the existing system doesn't work. And then boom, they do it and other banks follow. I, I do think it could last for a while. But like the thing about the cave is they're all in the cave telling the story is reality will hit them at some point in time, right? Like uh, the cave is about to collapse. There's an earthquake and the rocks are falling on right. their head in the cave. And they, like they can't just ignore the world outside right. if they're being bludgeoned the by boulders that are like yeah. falling, falling from the roof and a stalactite just kill someone next to you is stalactite the thing that comes from the ceiling or the floor i forget uh stalactite is from the top yeah (laughs) okay cool i nailed it uh yeah so i don't know i could totally see that happening as well it'll just take some time um as you said and they'll be living in this world for a while yeah yeah um i still don't get like where does this bond bubble come from again like is it really just the product of the federal reserve it's the, fe- well, it's the how is the how is the housing market connected to the bond bubble? Well, I mean, so the the uh, Federal Reserve, like with a with a low inflation rate, has been basically incenting people to go get mortgages, right? Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So if you if you have a two and a half percent mortgage, and again, like um, the asset price of your house is increasing like fifteen to twenty percent right. okay. every year, they, that makes sense. Hell yeah, I'm getting like I, dude. Have a mortgage. Listen, okay, so. but, but First if, of all, if, if they're incentivizing mortgages, uh-huh. uh, why, and, and it, by having cheap money and they're having low yielding bonds, oh, I don't get why that creates a bond bubble. If they're having low yielding bonds, why would you buy them? If oh, it's, that's the big question is why would you buy them? Why is anyone buying why bonds? Why have people? Because haven't bonds been yield, low yielding for a really but, long time now? But yeah, but here, so here's the thing. So other central banks are buying bonds, but also the Fed has been buying bonds since COVID right. started as part of like um, quantitative is this easing. Just a, this is just a COVID bubble? This bubble didn't exist prior to COVID? I think this is a map. Like, so I think you could you could argue that um, there has been sort of a, a, a bond bubble with repressed rates, especially, especially from like 2008 onward, where we kept rates down, we were quantitative easing. But at the start of COVID, like, the Fed started getting super aggressive and and purchasing bonds on the open market, right? So this is like the Fed's issuing new money, but then also in order to prop up demand for the money, for the bonds and the debt that it's in, issuing, it's also just purchasing them. It's buying them. So okay. it's like a, so buyer, bubble, a net buyer. This is a strictly a COVID bubble. This is, this is not like prior to like 2019, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's strictly Lar- because okay, like we started like print like look at the money printer charts right you can see that right. starting like you know before 2008 ever you could trace it back to when we got off the you know the gold standard in the 1970s but but yeah this this last wave of uh you know monetary policy shift in the wake of covid where we're mm-hmm. doing massive the fed is massively like purchasing bonds and when there's a buyer buying like you know tens of billions a month. I can't even remember what the amount is. Tens of billions a month in demand. It's going to prop artificially prop up the value of this thing. And now the Fed is just, oh, uh, inflation's really hot, so we're going to stop doing that now. And in fact, not <laughs> Why only- is inflation so hot? <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, not only not buying those bonds, but actually like selling them, like getting them right. off of the balance sheet in order, right. in, this, in this flailing attempt to sort of quell inflation that really just, um, it's just- <laughs> can't be fixed that way in, in a quick way, right? It's just going to, like, as Dan said, take a lot of time. What I'm shocked... In, in hindsight, like, when there is an artificial buyer, a fake economic actor being the Federal Reserve who can print money, buying yeah. bonds, you should probably be the person selling it, your bonds to them, right? Like, I if somebody know. can print money out of thin air to buy your stuff, 
that means you I should know. sell it to them. I don't know. It's a mystery to me. And my biggest question for a lot of people is like, so what? Like, why are you buying? Who is buying bonds? I still, I right. still almost don't understand because I can't believe any rational economic actor or investor mm-hmm. is like putting their money into these things. But you know, there's, I, I, I just don't. I, I still can't explain it to you uh, on that. You can, st- you can also see this in like the subconscious of investors. I think, especially young, young investors, young millennial investors, like the. Um, the, uh, the the GME stonks revolution. I was mm. walking around in uh, Brooklyn the other day, and there was an advertisement uh, that was like a 2020s targeted like era advertisement about like no Chad. I don't want to hear about your stock your stonk picks. <sighs> like I want to invest with like this like you know Titan. I want to invest with Titan. But anyways, right. there's like advertisements going out that's being about. The 2020s, 2021 era of like the the, the How dumb meme Robin are. Hood degens that yeah. uh, that are out there, yeah. and like those people who probably can't like articulate or understand this whole like bond thing, they still understand it subconsciously. Where like I'm not going to put my savings into two percent yielding bonds, bro. Like I am going to ape into GME and get, try and get my five X. And yeah. you, you can understand this like difference in investor appetite as a result of the manipulation of the Fed. You can see it in in investor consumer investor behaviors. Yeah, I mean, look, man, so much falls out from this, which is why I always get uh, upset at the like populist rhetoric rhetoric on on both sides, where it's mm. like they're constantly blaming one group or another for like why things have gone wrong, and no one actually goes and diagnoses the root symptom of all of this, which is like mm. we've had an effed up monetary policy for a long time, massively increasing wealth inequality, right? And like, until you start talking about how you fix that, like you're just playing this divisive game of blaming one side or the other around things. Like, name a politician who's actually calling this shit. Right. Is there anybody who's actually yeah. like, I mean, is there anybody who's actually like, oh, uh, mistakes were made, a lot of mistakes. If you're curious about the reason for wealth inequality, Sure, you could blame the billionaires, and like, sure, I think that's an element of it. Um, like, Congress could raise taxes, of course, all sorts of things. But why aren't you also blaming like the Fed, your government policy, who's propped up the value of assets for like ever? In like, if you're an asset holder, again, like, we, I didn't invent the rules. I just at some at some stage in my kind of like trajectory of trying to figure out life, I was like, oh, okay. So this is how the game is being played. Now I understand. Mm-hmm. I didn't previously understand. I was I was kind of like, oh yeah. So you work hard, you, you know, in life, and you do X, Y, Z, and then you do okay, and you know this will happen. No, that's not the game. The game is actually like assets. You have to own leverage, a lot of leverage capital. Leverage up on assets as much as possible. Yeah, that's the game. And once I understood that, I was like, oh well. First of all, a this rule book is shitty. It's unfair. It sucks. Yeah. It's not going to lead right. to good outcomes. But like, B, what do I do in that scenario? I guess I have to right. play. I have to, I have to yeah. join because uh, right. now I understand how the game is played. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people are just still stuck not understanding how the actual game is played. And the politicians aren't helping at all, in my sure. opinion. They're coming up with these fake solutions. But Certainly. another story, another podcast, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look, the, we, we talked about this briefly, but especially the Bitcoiners. But the crypto industry has called the called this like while everyone else is being silent about it for whatever reasons the politicians are disincentivized to speak the truth the Federal Reserve is disincentivized to speak the truth perhaps they don't even know because they don't even want to think that they are responsible for wealth inequality 
But the crypto industry, and starting with the Bitcoiners, because that's what this industry started with, has got the whole that whole thing right. Yeah. I have not heard this story been told, but that wealth inequality comes from fiat money told anywhere else yeah, other not, than the crypto not industry. Not so well, and You're never the only with the solution. Never yeah. with a solution for the average everyday individual rather than like blaming one one group or another. Um, ne- never solution. I, w- I was kind of laughing at the point where um, D- Dan said, yeah, Gary Gensler at one point said, there's no point in having 5,000 different monies. We don't right. need this. Like it's it's a complete waste or whatever you know, quote he said. And I was just like, then why are you scared, Gary? Why? <laughs> like, why are you talking about it then? Right. If right. it's all going to fail... And if it's not going to work out, how come crypto is a $2.5 trillion asset class and has persisted for 12 years? Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't be talking about it if you if there wasn't some doubt in your mind, Gary. Right. Are you a little bit worried about this? Because if it's right, a non-issue, yeah. if it's never going to work, then like, why are you even You're talking sc- about it in a congressional panel? You're scared of the doggy coin, Gary? Is that what scares you? <laughs> Like dog, doggy coins? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> a that little bit of... regulate? Yeah, this is a little bit of the, like, you know, the meme, the meme stock, NFT right. sort of energy coming out. But it's, yeah, it's because they uh, they jacked things up in the system. They broke the system. I, I do think it's interesting that um, Dan thinks that crypto will outperform uh, if we go complete risk-off mode, Right. Because I yeah. don't know that that's actually true in the short run. It may be kind of true in the medium run. I believe he's com- completely right in the long run. But yes. I wonder if we we go through this kind of unwinding process, stocks take a hit, everything kind of takes a hit, and crypto just joins the ride down with everything yeah. else before we decouple. What do you think? That makes sense to me. The Increasing the interest rates unexpectedly, I think, punches all assets equally. I could be totally compelled that crypto recovers just because like if the federal reserve is just going to be repeatedly like battering all equities all assets the housing market punch punched by interest rates deflating like it really punch right. yeah de- deflating these bubbles and like crypto too like inter- higher interest rates creates uh, reduces the inflows of money into crypto and money into crypto is how we make number go up and if you increase interest rates you increase flows to not just crypto but everywhere so yeah. if they jack up the interest rates beyond what, what the market has priced in then yeah we're all taking the punch but like i could be convinced that like Equity investors, housing market investors, they're they, the traditional markets. They're just done being pummeled to the point where like, we need something new. Why are we getting pummeled? Oh, I just learned about this whole like macro fiat, like uh, Ponzi story of the Federal Reserve. We need to opt out of the system and vote with our dollars, like Dan said, and, and exit to the crypto markets yeah. because that's the only true free market left. Yeah, I do think that's the case, which, which, which I guess leads to like, who is the buyer of bonds? For a period of time, you might want to own bonds or dollars Well, all of the pain is like happening to the other mm-hmm. asset classes, right? right? Like a temporary, like the reason you might have some bonds is because you think all of the other assets, more risk, more punched. quote unquote risky assets are going to go down for a long period of time, right? So like I'd rather, I guess, be in dollars uh, during a crypto bear market so I can then redeploy to crypto at the bottom, so mm-hmm. there are, I guess if you're playing the trading game, there, there maybe there's a reason to have like, you know, stable right. coins or, or bonds for a very brief period of time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like whatever the time frame is, uh, I think Dan is a hundred percent correct on any reasonable time horizon that, uh, yeah, investors is holding mm-hmm. for, um, 
Any other takeaways from this? Um, no, I think I think I'm good. I, I, I did like, I did kind of like his conclusion. He was like, uh, "Yo, Dan, what are you interested in? What are you really bullish on?" And he just goes, crypto. "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm bullish on crypto. The whole thing." It's, it reminded <laughs> me of you know the last episode we did with Olaf. Uh, uh-huh. And we were like overrated or underrated, and he, everything was just underrated. Underrated <laughs> about yeah. crypto, except it's for like the whole list. Yeah, except for that. <laughs> uh, it's just funny, uh, guys. Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for being premium subscriber. This has been the debrief. Cheers.